Hi, welcome to Too Close to the Sun, Art Obsessions, from Mercury 20 Gallery in Oakland's Art District. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schur, and this episode is called, Is a Photograph Still Worth a Thousand Words? And it will feature a lively discussion with three gallery member photographers and special guest Jan Watton, director of Grayloft Gallery, also in Oakland. So let's get to it. Hi, I'm Chris Kamater. I'm a photographer based in San Francisco, California, and a member of the Mercury 20 Gallery in Oakland's Uptown Arts District. I'm going to moderate a discussion about the work of two of my fellow photographers at the gallery, Brooks Fletcher and Neo Serafimidis. While the three of us are all engaged with the photographic image, we work in very different ways and to different ends. It makes for a really dynamic environment at the gallery to see the boundaries of photography pushed in so many different ways. And we'll hear from special guest Jan Watton, who is the director of Grayloft Gallery in Jingletown, a small but thriving arts district in East Oakland. Jan brings her perspective not only as a gallery director, but also as a fellow photographer working in Oakland. Brooks Fletcher focuses on topics ranging from how we approach the photographic medium and the processes through which we do so, to how we understand and navigate the lived experience through sensation and art. Neo Serafimidis describes his work as a kind of roundabout exploration of nostalgia and memory. Sometimes there are people in his photos, but more often he presents the artifacts of life, the cars we drive, the clothes we wear, to create portraits not only of individuals, but of our collective experience. In my own work, I'm interested in how we look at photographs often creating images that are highly pixelated, frustratingly familiar, but the content just out of reach. In an era of accessible photographs of virtually anything, I tease my viewers, frustrating their voyeuristic impulses. I remember seeing Chris's work in the show a few months ago, and I love the kind of work, sort of like Chuck Close, where you have one kind of experience when you're standing right up against the photograph. And then when you back away, you have a completely different image. I don't know how he did it, but gorgeous images. Brooks Fletcher in the last show did these gorgeous miniature images using a very traditional camera, but yet he's dealt with them in a very contemporary way where he's made these gorgeous little experiences. So Brooks, you mentioned that your work is grounded in phenomenology, which basically is a study of the ways we experience things the meanings things have in our experience. So as photographers, we aim our cameras at things, click the shutter release, and in effect frame and share our subjective experience of our surroundings. So how do you see phenomenology in relation to your work? My journey to phenomenology kind of has a lot to do with how I got into photography, and that was through the military. I wasn't able to truly express myself, right? I felt like I didn't have the outlet. So it really wasn't until I, I went to school and found a formal training that allowed me to address some of the ideas I had about photography. And then from there, finishing a graduate program in photography helped me gain some clarity on the things and the experiences I was having, either in the lived experience or just with the camera itself and how it was helping me grow. The photograph, the physical object, as this uh, medium, uh, a vessel uh, to communicate an idea, um, something as simple as a pole or a car, even shadows. How can we view these things in a way that can show us the world more or less anew. We were really forcing our attention on something that I felt like I would have just walked by. In your recent show, you focused exclusively on the urban environment. Was that a conscious decision? It provides the most dynamic arena to 
uh, play in. I like to walk a lot. It's really nice to see these moments and have the right tools to photograph them. You're working with uh, daylight, which is some of the best light you can have. Your images were so formally framed. When you look at both myself and Neil's work, there's an intimacy. We, we lean in. That's the, that's the one piece. And then the other piece is intimacy and a familiarity with ourselves. That is the intimate vessel essentially in a nutshell. <laughs> this is a good segue to Neo. Your work explores nostalgia and memory by re-presenting the artifacts and evidence of life. And your recent show at Mercury 20 involved a very particular conceptual conceit uh, presenting people in their homes at night viewed from outside their homes. Neo's work I was really impressed with because he was able to capture what we're all feeling during the pandemic, during the lockdown. And I think using the night photography and he used the lighting, which was in some situations really harsh, really minimal, but he made beautifully rich images that were really so moving. And I love the fact that he's an observer from the outside photographing this inner world. In general, I have focused on artifacts and objects and use that as a tool for self-exploration. This last show was purely a function of the situation that we all found ourselves in with the pandemic. And so I had been sheltering in place, working from home during the day and not going anywhere. But then I started going out at night just to go for a walk when no one was out. I reached out to friends whose homes I was walking by and, you know, I had my camera with me and for the fun of it, I took a couple pictures of them through the window as they, you know, stood in the window or the doorway. Then when I saw the results of those photographs, I realized that we were engaged in a unique form of reaching across the divide because we were almost scared of each other, but really longing for each other. And I saw that in the photographs when I saw them on the screen. There was a, a kind of communication and expression that I was responding to. And sure enough, when I posted a photo on social media, there was a really strong response and people in participating. And so that turned into about 84, 85 portraits. In these photographs, the subjects who are in their homes they're looking at you. I mean, they're looking into your camera. So there is an engagement. I felt like this was just kind of a natural extension of your work, having seen your last you know, nighttime photography mm -hmm. show to see you not just engaging with cars and <laughs> mm -hmm. shadows and stuff. Here you were able to communicate with them through your photographic work, like photography for the pandemic. Indeed, indeed, yeah, thank you. And actually, Brooks is too, in a way, just with the absence of people. I definitely commend Neo. I, I mean, for somebody to go out at night, <laughs> it takes I, energy. I was wondering, did you shoot this last show during the pandemic also? There were a handful that were from early on in the pandemic. When we had a quick window or a period of time, mm -hmm. I remember going out and capturing a few of those. Because I really do try to focus sometimes on the stru structures of the world. Humans just added additional element to it. I wanted to talk about your physical approaches to photography. I mean, both of you present fairly traditional works, but I guess you could say Neo, what appear to be straightforward prints, Brooks' actual film. I mean, there doesn't appear to be any sort of manipulation, but notice how skeptical I am, almost suspicious of work that purports to be factual <laughs> document of experience. 
So in our post-fact, post-Trump, photoshopable world, you two are nobly committing yourself to truth and evidence. Brooks, in 2016, you turned from the printed image and began mounting film transparencies directly onto various backlit wall-mounted frames. So I gave up film back in the early 2000s when my lab no longer printed prints made from positive transparencies and I could no longer get film developed. So I felt forced to let go and embrace the digital world. I don't care if it's digital. It's not the camera or the device you're using. It's the end result. Photography hardly changed until recently. So suddenly we're in this digital world where even the, the, the mediums are changing, the resolutions are increasing. And yet here you are working with a medium from a different century. My involvement with color reversal film, transparencies, really came from a desire to get as close to these experiences that I was having. I'll give you an example. I remember when I started doing this project early on, the line down the middle and the shadows, probably back in like 2014. And it was always digital. People often thought that it was manipulated. So, you know, I got to thinking, I was like, wow, I, I'm not really sure how to show people that this is just how the world's presenting itself. Walter Benjamin, he had an essay where he talks about art in the age of mechanical reproduction. As art is reproduced, it is removed from its realm of authenticity, or the experience is removed from its realm of authenticity. So I applied the same logic to these experiences that I was having. So I said, how can I get factual evidence of these moments? Around that time, that's when I began shooting on reversal film. It, it, it gave me a positive, not a negative. You know, I would project them, but it didn't really feel, it, felt, it didn't feel as practical as I would have liked it to be. So I had this idea, what if I could backlit these, these images and show these experiences from the thing itself? I initially began with 35 millimeter because it was cheap, easy to handle. I shoot at a small aperture, anywhere between F32 to F64. I want to collapse space. So I always use these cameras that are manual. That eventually expanded into going to four by five. I love the results. Creating my own frames because no one was making a way to show it. It's, it's like the way I would view it, like a backlight, mm -hmm. like a backlit table. You know, when I think about Neil's work and I think about the digital process, it, it requires a, a tenacity. Especially with shooting in the kind of lighting conditions that that last series had with dark outside and people illuminated in the window it, with very wide lighting conditions and trying to get a balance between the details outside and details inside on, on the individuals in the photograph. There was some tenacity involved in getting some of those images to work as well. When I look at your work, I like to imagine you out at night with this big four by five camera, <laughs> you know, waiting for these things to happen and rushing back to the lab and developing these things under a tent. <laughs> it might be that way. One of these days, I have been shooting some film lately. Something is driving towards an expansion. For example, in the very first show that I did at Mercury 20, I was presenting the artifacts of all the objects in my mother's apartment. And they were printed in, you know, a grid layout in, you know, large prints. I also had some actual family photos, but then also my mother's actual Wedgwood stove and personal artifacts in the gallery. So that was kind of breaking away from strict photography and really bringing in any element that is needed that continues to tell the story that you want to tell. And so I'm very interested in continuing to do that kind of thing. It was so touching 
because even if people didn't like read the wall stuff <laughs> or know <laughs> what was going on, just seeing this accumulated women's stuff, it just read so much of loss. And the way you approached it so graphically was just remarkable. I associate grief with just being a crazy person for, <laughs> you know, for an extended period of time and not being able to function at all. And here you directed that grief towards this really beautiful aesthetic representation of your mom. Do you feel engaged with current events or is it mostly with, with experience and with what we're looking at and experiencing visually? Certainly as an artist and a photographer, you do want to engage society head on and reflect back in a educational or edifying way what you see going on. And so I want to do that. And I've done things like attend political events and other goings on and photograph them. But I have not been satisfied with the results of those efforts. So I have not really shown any of that work. I think it's very hard to do well. And then so Brooks, uh, we could assume by looking at your work that it's influenced by the pandemic <laughs> and the absence, <laughs> of, absence of people, but that, might be, but that might not be your intention. I've tried over the years to find a subject matter that was sustainable, that I could photograph or interact with regardless of the climate of whatever. It's just something that's around, it's ever present. Visually, my work didn't change. I, I was always, if anything, I have more space <laughs> to get images because nobody was outside. I will kind of gesture at things that are happening based on the subject matter that I photographed. For example, the image of a T-Mobile storefront and they had a sign that says visiting America as if they're offering these services for new data coverage and new, a new account. However, the store was closed and right next to it was a sign talking about practicing social distancing. So I will respond in that way. That's a great shot. Neo, I'm curious about the use of people in your work, like the absence of them and the presence of them, how they kind of figure into it. I do treat objects as power objects because they can trigger memories and really transport you. I mean, when I was photographing some of my mom's furniture of my childhood that I hadn't seen in 40 years, transported me. And that's the kind of effect that leads to the self-reflection and self-exploration that is part of what motivates me to figure out who I am through doing this work. But those same objects, it turns out, are in many cases iconic. They're things that everybody recognizes and that people of a certain generation remember from their own childhood. And so it communicates that same sense of longing and uh, maybe loss and nostalgia for that past. So that's where a lot of the objects figure in. Also, objects are very easy to photograph. You don't have to be nervous around them. Being a good portrait photographer, I think, is a gift. And this was really a huge step forward for me in this last series to develop that comfort level and that rapport. I really didn't pose people and I didn't set up lights or really do anything other than invite them to express themselves and sort of be who they are in the environment that they're naturally in at that time of the night when I was going there to photograph them. But even that took a little cajoling and effort because people react to a camera in a certain way. 
in both of these projects, it's a portrait of your relation to them, which is a very different kind of portraiture. The act of selecting what to photograph and how you frame it and how you contextualize it is a fiction that you introduce into the story that's being told. Yes, it is a photograph and there is something there that's really there, but there's a lot that is added by the photographer. And also you're standing in for the viewer. People are looking into the lens. I love classic photography. Throw me an Imogene Cunningham or a Maplethorpe or a Irving Penn photograph and I'm in heaven. But when I'm looking at work for shows, is there meaning? Is it beautiful? Does it convey a message? But I don't think of my own work when I'm looking at the work of other people. So Brooks, actually, I wanted to ask you about the absence of people in your work as well. When I first saw your recent show at Mercury 20, which consisted mostly of graphic details of the urban environment, I thought of Adjay's photographs of the empty streets of Paris, creating a sense of place. They're pretty remarkable images. For those of you who don't know it, but they were taken around the Absolutely. Turn. Yeah, in the late 19th century. Is that a conscious decision to not have people, or is it just that you're focused on these graphic elements? You did choose to show your shadow in one image <laughs> right. very clearly. The only other one I remember was somebody walking... Yeah, out of the frame. Yeah, it's definitely an active choice. Humans bring a subjectivity. I try to use it more as a device to accentuate an experience or to draw the viewer's attention to a, a specific aspect of the scene. You know, as a Black man, you know, I want to see people, me and my images as a photographer. Um, so it's something I'm embracing a little bit more to just, you know, share myself more with the world because I can be pretty uh, reclusive at times. <laughs> Collectors like to see bodies of work. They like to see how artists develop over time. There are some artists that right off the bat, they have sales. But I think a lot of people are looking for art that has been developed over time and that, that the person is serious. Those are important things that collectors are looking for and, and what galleries are looking for. You know, you don't get into every single show that you enter. You don't get into every gallery that you send your work to. But that doesn't mean that the gallerist or the jury doesn't like your work or that your work isn't good because it's all subjective. You really have to have a thick skin because it is a numbers game. They may say, well, this is really strong work, but I, I'm not going to be able to sell this. Fortunately, in my gallery, because I'm, I don't have to follow those rules, I can show lots of different kinds of work. But in the end, the work has to be strong. It has to move me. What I expect of the artists that I show, that they help out in regards to social media. I have a website. I have everything about the artists there and Instagram, which is actually almost bigger than the websites these days. I hope that the artists will use their own Instagram, have photographs of the show, link it to the gallery. Uh, those are things actually are what I expect of an artist in a show. I'd like to talk with you guys about the particular challenges, pitfalls, joys, or pain of having to market our work ourselves in this, <laughs> in this fairly unique gallery situation. And Brooks, you're, you're new to this. You just had your first show. I'm, I'm just so pleased I could be a part of it. I want to be a part of a group that other people are passionate about. It. It's lovely, but it is challenging. And I think what it has more to do with is the time management. I always feel like the people that need to know about it will know about it. I have faith in my circle, the communities I'm around to share these ideas. Well, you did sell a few pieces. Uh, oh, yeah. It was, yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. 
So did you do any marketing on your own other than just like sending out an invite or telling people about it? Yeah, big invites, a post after that, just constant word of mouth. And I have my website too. Also, the environments that I'm a part of promote for me. Being a part of the East Bay Photo Collective, there's promotion in that. So Neo, now this was your third show with the gallery? Indeed. So how has it been for you to be the sole marketer of your work. And when I say that, there are 21 of us in the gallery and we're all helping each other, but ultimately the marketing of our work falls on us. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, the most challenging thing about showing in this gallery and trying to get critical attention because it, it seems like a lot of critics and magazines sort of rely on the commercial gallery system. Mm-hmm. And that's where artists are written about. I mean, we, we've had some really nice articles written about us. I went off there, so I wanted to <laughs> go back to, to your experience and, and what, what it's been like for you. I did some social media, but it's hard. I'm not a great self-promoter. It is a nice lift to have the, the other gallery members there and everybody has a role. And that is one of the great things about Mercury 20 is the support that comes from the the 21 of us. We see our work develop. We could be really honest with each other Mm -hmm. about what we're seeing. That kind of connection makes up for what we might be missing from having a gallery director who's out there hustling our work. One of the challenging things about, at least at Gallery in this time, is maintaining that connectivity to the members and the synergy. And it's going pretty well, I think. Thanks to moderator Chris Commodore, Brooks Fletcher, and Neo Saramafidis, and special guest Jan Watton for sharing your thoughts and experiences. See their photographs and links to their website at mercury20.com. Our podcasts are available anywhere you get your podcasts and are also linked from mercury20.com. Please visit the website and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for past and future episodes and all kinds of other great stuff about the gallery. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schur, for Too Close to the Sun Art Obsessions. Thanks for listening.